Chapter twenty six of A Woman's Experiences in the Great War by Louise Mack. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter twenty six The Return from Brussels. From Brussels to Ninove, from Ninove to Sotejon, from Sotejon to Ghent, from Ghent to Antwerp. That was how I got back. At the outskirts of Brussels, on a certain windy corner, I stood waiting my chance of a vehicle going towards ghent the train lines were still cut and the only way of getting out of brussels was to drive unless one went on foot at the windy corner accompanied by jean and his two sisters i stood watching a wonderful drama there were people creeping in as well as creeping out peasants on foot women and children who had fled in terror and were now returning to their little homes it seemed to me as if the germans must purposely have left this corner unwatched unhindered probably in the hope of getting more and more to return little carts and big carts clattered up and came to a standstill alongside an old white inn and jean bargained and argued on my behalf for a seat there was one tiny cart drawn by a donkey with five young men in it the driver wanted six passengers and began appealing to me in flemish to come in i will drive you all the way to ghent if you like he said how much ten francs suddenly a hand pulled at my sleeve and a hoarse voice whispered in my ear no no madame you mustn't go with them don't you know who they are it was a rough-faced little peasant and his blue eyes were full of distress i felt startled and impressed and wondered if the five young men were murderers they are the newspaper sellers muttered the blue-eyed peasant under his breath if he had said they were madmen his tone could not have been more awestruck after a while i found a little cart with two seats facing each other two hard wooden seats one bony horse stood in the shafts but i liked the look of the three belgian women who were getting in and one of them had a wee baby that decided me i felt that the terrors of the long drive before me would be curiously lightened by that baby's presence its very tininess seemed to make things easier its little indifferent sleeping face soft and calm and fragrant among its white wool dainties seemed to give the lie to dread and terror seemed to hearten one swiftly and sweetly seemed to say look at me i'm only a month old but i'm not frightened of anything and now i must say good-bye to jean and good-bye to his two plump young sisters they are the dearest friends i have in the world or so it seems to me as i bid them good-bye bonne chance madame they whisper i should like to have kissed jean but i kissed the sisters instead then feeling as if i were being cut in halves i climbed lonely and full of sinister dread into the little cart and the driver cracked his whip shouting allons fritz to his bony horse and off we started a party of eight all told the three belgian women sat opposite me two middle-aged men were beside me and the driver and another man were on the front seat hour after hour we drove hour after hour there was no sun the land looked flat and melancholy under this grey sky and we were at our old game now have you seen the germans yes yes the germans are there pointing to the right and we would turn to the left tacking like a boat in the storm terrific firing was going on but the baby whose name the mother told me was solange slept profoundly the three women chattered like parrots and the driver shouted incessantly allons fritz allez comme and fritz throwing back his head plodded bravely on 
dragging his heavy load with a superb nonchalance that led him into cantering up the hills and breaking into gallops when he got on the flat road again hour after hour fritz cantered and galloped and trotted dragging eight people along as though they were so many pods december tenth nineteen fourteen madame creed on the way to london allow me to remind your excellent memory of me in fact on my way to london allow me to remind your excellent memory of me in fact remember your return from brussels in october in the cart were two gentlemen and three ladies one with a baby in her arms with two teachers i am one of the two women mrs stuffs i was hoping to see you in ghent but you were already departed can it be that here in london i ever would have that pleasure i'm here until the end of this week so be kind enough to tell me where and when we could meet here is my address ms stuss verstegen fifty three maple street west good-bye i present to you my cordial greetings charlotte stuss a teacher in brussels one bleak december day in london there came to me this letter and by it alone i know that fritz and the baby solange and the eight of us are no myth no figment of my imagination we really did all together drive all day long through the german-infected country to east to west to north to south through fields and byways and strange little villages over hills and along valleys with the cannon always booming the baby always sleeping and old fritz always going merry and bright by noon we might have known each other a thousand years i had the baby on my knee the three men cracked walnuts for us all and every one talked at once strange talk the strangest in all the world so they killed the priest she hid for two days in the water-closet she doesn't know what has happened to her five children they were stood in a row and every third one was fusil they found his body in the garden il est tout la fait ruiné then suddenly one of the ladies who knew a little english said with a friendly smile i have liked very much the english novel how do you call it something about a lamp every one reads it it is our favourite english book it is splendid we read it in french too and every now and then for hours she and i would try guessing the name of that something about a lamp book but we never got it it was weeks later when i remembered the lamplighter at last we crossed the border from brabant into flanders and galloping up a long hill we found ourselves in ninot it was in a terrific state of excitement here i saw the results of the fighting i had heard at Angiens on the saturday the germans had pillaged and destroyed houses lay tumbled on the streets the peasants stood grouped in terror the air was full of the smell of burning at a house where we bought some apples we saw a sitting-room after the huns had finished it every bit of glass and china in the room was smashed tumblers wine-glasses jugs plates cups saucers lay in heaps all over the floor all the pictures were cut from the frames all the chairs and tables were broken to bits the cushions were torn open the bookshelves toppled forward the books lay dripping wet on the grey carpet as if buckets of water had been poured over them jam tins sardine tins rubbish and filth were all over the carpet and bottles were everywhere it was a low degrading sight chapter twenty seven the english are coming i am back in antwerp and the unexpected has happened we are besieged the siege began on thursday the mental excitement of these last days passes all description and yet antwerp is calm outwardly 
and but for the crowds of peasants pouring into the city with their cows and their bundles one would hardly know that the germans were really attacking us at last the government has issued an order that anyone who likes may leave antwerp but having once done so no one will be permitted to return and that quite decides us we will remain all day long the cannon are booming and pounding sometimes they sound so near that one imagines a shell must have burst in antwerp itself and sometimes they grow fainter they are obviously receding or so we tell ourselves hopefully we are always hopeful we are always telling each other that things are going better everyone is talking 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 everyone is asking what do you think have you heard any news everyone is saying but of course it will be all right the germans have been driven back five kilometres says one civilian have you heard the news the germans have been driven back six kilometres says another and again have you heard the news germans driven back seven kilometres and at last a curious mental condition sets in we lose interest in the cannon and we go about our business just as if those noises were not ringing in our ears even as we sit at dinner in our hotel there is one little notice posted up about the hotel that simply as it reads fills one with a new and more active terror than shell-fire il n'y a pas du this is because the german shells have smashed the waterworks at wavre st catherine and so in the meantime antwerp's hotels are flooded with carbolic and we drink only mineral waters and wait hopeful as ever for the great day when the bathrooms will be opened again these nights are stiflingly hot and the mosquitoes still linger indeed they are so bad sometimes that i put eucalyptus oil on my pillow to keep them away how strange that all this terrific firing should not have frightened them off i come to the conclusion that mosquitoes are deaf the curious thing is no one can tell by looking at antwerp that she is going through the greatest page in all her varied history her shops are open people sit at crowded cafes sipping their coffee or beer a magnificent calm prevails there is no sense of active danger the lights go out at seven instead of eight by ten o'clock the city is asleep save for the coming and going of clattering troops over the rough flagged streets and avenues grapes and pears and peaches are displayed in luxuriant profusion at extraordinarily low prices fish and meat are dearer but chickens are still very cheap the enfersois still take as much trouble over their cooking which is uncommonly good even for belgium and then on saturday with the sharpness and suddenness of lightning the terrible rumour goes round that antwerp is going to surrender yes surrender rather than run the risk of being destroyed like louvain and termont and Ayrshot. the legation has received orders that the government is about to be moved to ostend crowds of people begin to hurry out of antwerp in motor-cars until the city looks somewhat like london on a sunday afternoon half empty and full of bare spaces instead of crowded and animated as antwerp has been ever since the government moved here from brussels and then on sunday comes a change the news spreads like wildfire that the legations have had their orders countermanded early in the morning they are to wait further instructions something has happened the english are coming chapter twenty eight monday a golden laughing day is this fifth of october as i fly along in my car i soon sense a new current vivid and electric flowing along with the stream of belgian life oh the change in the sad hollow-eyed belgian officers and men 
they felt that help was coming at last all this time they had fought alone unaided there was no one who could come to them no one free to help them and the weeks passed into months and liege and louvain and brussels and ayrshot and namur and malines and termont have all fallen one by one and high hopes have been blighted and the enemy in its terrific strength has swept on and on held back continually by the ardour and valour of the little belgian army which is still indomitable at heart but tired very tired haggard hollow-eyed exhausted craving the rest they may not have these glorious heroes revive as if by magic under the knowledge that other troops are coming to help theirs in this gargantuan struggle for antwerp the yellow khaki seems to sweep along with the blue uniforms like sunlight but the gentle-faced slow-speaking english are humble and modest enough god knows it's the high explosive shells that we mine most says a belgian lieutenant to an english tommy perhaps we'll mine them too says tommy humbly we ain't seen them yet at the war office count chabot has given me a special permit to go to lierre out past morcel i noticed a belgian lady standing among a crowd of soldiers she wears black her dress is elegant yet simple i admire her furs and i wonder what on earth she is doing here right out in the middle of the fortifications far from the city belgian ladies are seldom seen in these specified zones suddenly her eyes meet mine and she comes towards me drawn by the knowledge that we are both women she leans in at my car window and then she tells me her story and i learn why she looks so pale and worried just down the road a little further on in the region in which we may not pass is her villa which has been suddenly requisitioned by the english all in a hurry yesterday madame packed up and hurried away to antwerp to arrange for her stay there this morning she has returned to fetch her dogs but voila she reaches this point and is stopped the way is blocked she must not go on no one can pass without a special laissez passer which she hasn't got so here hour after hour since six o'clock in the morning she stands waiting pitifully for a chance to get back to her villa and take away her dogs that she fears may be starving mais pauvre sheen she keeps exclaiming and now a motor-car approaches from the direction of lierre with an english officer sitting beside the chauffeur i tell him the story of the dogs and ask what can be done the officer does not reply he almost looks as if he has not heard his calm cool face shows little sign of anything at all he merely turns his car round and flashes away along the white tree-shadowed and cannon-lined road that he has just traversed ten minutes go by then another ten then back along the road flashes the grey car and there again is colonel farquharson cool calm and unperturbed and behind him in the car barking joyfully at the sight of their mistress are three big dogs mais comme les anglais sont gentils say the belgian soldiers all along the road out of the burning town of lierre that same day a canary and a grey congo parrot are tenderly handed over to my care by a couple of english tommies who have found them in a burning house the canary is in a little red cage and the tommies have managed to put in some lumps of sugar the poor little thing is starving says a tommy compassionately it'll be better with you ma'am i bring the birds back in my car to antwerp but the parrot is very frightened he will not eat he will not drink he looks as if he is going to die until i ask mr cherry curtain to come and see him and then voila 
the famous english naturalist bends over him talks pets him and in a few minutes coco is busy trimming cherry curtain's moustache with his little black beak and from that very moment the bird begins to recover as i write the parrot and canary sit here on my table the parrot perching on the canary's cage the boom of cannon is growing fainter and fainter as the germans appear to be pushed further and further back the canary is singing and the grey parrot is cracking nuts and i think of the man who rescued them and hope that all goes well with him who with death staring him in the face had time and thought to save the lives of a couple of birds his name he told me was sergeant thomas marshall of winston churchill's marines he said if you see my wife ever you can tell her you've met me ma'am End of chapter 28 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine